Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and some spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We are still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter 10 of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. I need to tell you about the best thing about the lockdown for me. Ooh, okay. The best thing about lockdown for me is that I've become really good friends with the man in the off-licence that lives right next door to our house. How have you done that while remaining? Well, you know what I am like. So I'll go in and be like, hello, how are you? And then I think because I go in pretty much every day to get like milk or orange juice or toilet paper or cat food or something. So I'm always speaking to him and we have really bonded. And now he like looks so happy when he sees me. Even if he's talking to another customer, he's like, hey, you. And I'm like, hey, Um, we don't know each other's names, but I love it. And he'll now always ask about our cat and it's just lovely and what I love as well is he's seen me with my housemates as well but he's never as happy or talks to them (laughs) (laughs) it's you it's just me you are the special one yes Oh, and I that's love the best that. thing. I love our little friendship. I don't know what the best part of the lockdown has been for me, but I like this as a concept because you got to find the good when we're living in a country that's run by bloated goblin sharks. It's probably best to just take it minute by minute, hour by hour. You cannot stress about what we cannot control as long as you are doing your bits and your mental health is all right, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. I just think we can't focus on the government because they're never going to do what we actually need them to do. She's right, ladies and gents. She's right. (laughs) And that will be my slogan for when I run for election. (laughs) Prime Minister Chloe. I wish we were in Scotland right now, I'm not going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. I went for a walk today and it was as if there was no pandemic. And I heard this very attractive couple walk by and they're like, it's like normal, isn't it? Everything's fine. I'm like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) It's people like you! (laughs) You are the problem. You are the disease. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could tell all my ex-boyfriends that. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Hear me with your best part! Okay, (laughs) so we're talking... So we're talking about chapter 10 interrogations. Here is my plot. It's the next day. We finally move from Tuesday to Wednesday. Yeah. Woo! The 16th of March, 2005. <laughs> Edith picks Bo up from his house and drives them both to school. When they arrive to school, Jeremy gives Bo back his jacket and is once again flummoxed at seeing Edith and Bo together. Bo goes to his English class and Michaela is not happy with Bo, so he makes up compliments Jeremy has definitely not said to make her less pissed off. After class, prom is discussed. Taylor thinks Bo is her prom date. This is why Logan has been acting up. Bo goes to Trig 
where Jeremy interrogates Bo about Edith. Edith waits for Bo outside his Spanish class. They go to the cafeteria together for lunch. Edith pays for their lunch. Edith and Bo discuss their feelings. They discuss how they think about each other. Edith persuades Bo to not go to Seattle and will show him what she really looks like in the sun. They discuss Edith and Eleanor's hunting habits and Bo doesn't understand why he wouldn't be able to see Edith hunt. <laughs> oh, Bo. She says she'll explain later as they head to their next class. Did you enjoy this chapter? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I just nearly make you, you spit your drink out? <laughs> Went up my nose. <laughs> you can't ask me these questions <laughs> taking a drink. I didn't think it was that strange a question. Did I enjoy this chapter? I Right, there are parts, tiny, tiny little bits that I enjoyed. Okay. But, oh, it is so problematic and I got very angry. Well, shall we begin? Well, wait, 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 wait. Why? How do you feel? <sighs> Apathetic. Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I... We'll find out, I suppose. The thing is, this chapter... It just feels very unfinished to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Literally everything that's introduced isn't resolved, which is fine because I suppose this is one of those things when you're going chapter by chapter, but it feels very much like a part one. There's just so much like tension in my body <laughs> with this chapter. I get very tense. Okay, so let's go to the beginning. I have a problem. Bo clearly only owns one jacket. That didn't even occur to me, Chloe. It drives me insane! Now, okay, but hear me out. <laughs> no! Maybe. He only owns one jacket. If you had another jacket, you would wear that jacket to school. You don't know if Jeremy's going to give it back. No, that's fair. I'm just saying, is it that unusual to only own one jacket? Absolutely. You need a waterproof. You need a furry one. You need a slim furry one. Furry one? Well, you know, the one that will, like, not actual fur, but, like, a warm jacket. A puffer, right, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I might have gone through quite a period in my life where I only owned one no, jacket. No, no, it's an I doubt it. Bo thumps his chest and Edith laughs at that. And he was like, I'm unclear why she was laughing. Maybe at my ridiculousness or maybe because she thought it was genuinely funny. He thumped his chest. I mean, how would you feel if the man that you're sort of dating got in your car and was like, Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of confusing because she can hear his heartbeat as well. She's kind of like one of those stroke dogs, isn't she? Like, she can, <laughs> you know, the ones they yeah. can't smell when you're going <laughs> to... I don't know if that's offensive. You, you know what I mean? So, like, she is quite tuned into it. We know this from reading... Bella and Edward's story but it made me think about like the very first page of the chapter when his heart does a weird double thump thing <laughs> and he says I hoped I wasn't developing some kind of aortic issue <laughs> and then like minutes later is like fine so when they arrive to school Jeremy is there with Bo's one jacket and uh, we can all breathe a sigh of relief thank god he's got his one jacket back and Jeremy is a gog like with the fact that they're seen together Obviously, Edith can read Jeremy's mind. Begs the question, is it ethical for Edith to tell Bo what Jeremy is thinking? What do you think? Is it ethical? That is a good question. Any kind of telepathy crosses a boundary. Luckily, it does not exist. But it's an interesting concept because it does bring up these questions of privacy. 
Now, I would argue that Edith cannot help that she can read minds. She didn't ask for this. But then it's like anything. It's what you do with that information or that power once it's given to you, whether you asked for it or not. Yeah. Honest answer? Mm. No, it's not ethical for her to be sharing other people's thoughts. We don't have control over our own thoughts. So our thoughts have to be the most private thing. And it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what we then do with those thoughts. It's your actions that speak. Absolutely. The flip side of that, of course, is what would I do in that situation? And I would absolutely share the information like Edith is doing. Yeah, me too. Especially if it was with you. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) We're just human. Well, I mean, she's not. Maybe she should be better. But I feel like she thinks she's helping Bo be a little bit more prepared for when Jeremy's gonna come a-calling. She's like giving you a heads up, which again is the kind of thing that I would definitely do for my friends. Jeremy wants to know if we are secretly dating and what base we have gotten to. How must it feel to be Edith? Awesome. Hearing that that's what's about to be talked about about you. While we're on that line about exactly what base have you gotten to, I just think it's worth bringing up the comparison. In Twilight, what Edward hears in Jessica's mind she wants to know if we're secretly dating and she wants to know how you feel about me. Okay, I'm not, I don't want to put words in Maya's mouth. <laughs> Do it. But the impression that this gives is that this is what she thinks the difference is between a girl and a boy. I mean, it's not just Maya that thinks this though. This is what society has told us. That it's just them. Because that's just how they're wired. Yeah. Girls think about sex just as much as boys do. Oh, if not more. They are just trained by society to pretend that they don't. And boys are trained by society to do whatever they want. Before we get really into it, Bo is now prepared for the situation with Jeremy. But before that, he has English class with Michaela. And Michaela's acting a bit weird. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. I think it's very clear Michaela is jealous. Fine. And I think this has come from Jeremy as well. Like, why even bother the pretense of going to the cinema with your friends if you're just going to ditch them? That's the story she's been given by Jeremy, kind of. Yeah, and I would be like, oh yeah, that doesn't sound great. But she doesn't really have a right to be pissed off. She doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, your feelings are your feelings and she can't help it. And she's a teenager and, you know, she has a crush. What I don't appreciate is then the way to deflect this situation is for Bo to come up with lies and say that Jeremy thinks, you know, you're the coolest girl, he had such a great time. But don't say anything, obviously, (laughs) because I'm lying to you. (laughs) Bo is a liar. I mean, Bella avoided confrontation just as much as Bo does but Bo avoids it by lying. So far, it's working out for him. He's getting a little bit of the boy who cried wolf here, where his friends think that he lied about intending to go and see the film. Yeah. I did wonder how you feel about Michaela's tactic of trapping him in that. So he walks into class and he says, Hey, Michaela, how are things? And she says, Good, how was the movie last night? And he says, Right, I didn't actually see it. And then she goes, yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, you like it? Okay. I do. That's something I would do. Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) It's a little vicious, though. I mean, I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I don't have a problem with that tactic. I think that's something women uh, learn from their mothers. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then she manages to be distracted by the lies as well. She loves the possibility that Jeremy is into her. I mean, I get it. Like, even if she's not really that interested in him, it's nice to be liked, I suppose. I don't have a problem with the fact that Michaela likes Bo, but also enjoys the attention she's getting from Jeremy. My problem comes later in this chapter when Jeremy, whether he's just using fucking banter or whatever kind of macho bullshit to try and joke or we'll get to it, trust me. But he is cracking jokes about maybe I should be more pathetic and then Edith will like me. So he's still hung up on Edith. Oh. That's how I read that. Oh, right. I don't know. Am I, maybe well, I'm wrong. Let's come back to this. Let's put a pin in this because this is going a little bit further. But anyway, I just feel like Michaela's being used. I don't think that Jeremy likes her enough. Or at least he's not worthy. He's definitely not worthy. Jeremy is worthy of very little, especially after this chapter. He's worthy of maybe Watercress. Oh, no, he doesn't deserve Watercress. Watercress is amazing. It's a magical being. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. shit. Um, like the dandelion that has died and all the seeds are on it, but then the seeds have been blown off. So it's literally just that little... So you can't even make a wish? No, yeah. no. There's just the little nub where all the seeds were. That's what he's worthy of. He is a nub. He is a seedless nub. Nub. <laughs> Wow. So after she's been swayed by Bo, she brings a bit of her viciousness back and discusses Taylor being Bo's prom date. Because, you know, Bo broke the man code for her so she can tell him this information. This is why Logan has been acting up. This is what Michaela tells Bo. And I'm like, oh, great. This is no excuse for Logan to be that much of a dick. No, not at all. She just doesn't like you. God, the young men of Forks High. Because a woman has not chosen him, he's going to act a fool. Yeah, it's just gross. This, in Twilight, came much earlier. Because we already knew Lauren was introduced quicker in Twilight. Yes, but we didn't know that she liked Tyler. I don't think we ever found out that she liked Tyler in Twilight. I think they end up together in New Moon. Maybe they go to the dance together, I'm not sure. But this is being made a much bigger deal in this book. It's also interesting that this kind of information, gossip, remains the property of women. In Twilight, it's Jessica and Angela who share this information with Bella while they're shopping. Here we've got Michaela and Erica. Also, this is like a real internal conflict. Like, we get this really pathetic, like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and Michaela says, man up, Bo. And I don't usually like that term, mm. but I'm a bit like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. It's a very toxic term, yeah. man up. I don't like it ever being used. But what she means to say here is grow up, get a grip, do what needs to be done. Also, when her actual, her first answer, he says, what am I supposed to do? And she says, tell her you're not taking her. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Like, obvi- that's, what else would you I do? I know. And she says, or oh, you're going to have to get a tux. Yeah. Either go with her or tell her you're not going with yeah. her. Yeah. Very simple. Okay. okay. Shall we start? This needs its own, like, theme music and... Duh! <laughs> I imagine, like, a twangy country guitar. Oh. Yeah, because this little scene begins with, Dang, son! <laughs> Where are we? Howdy, partner! <laughs> and this is what happens when, for some reason, you refuse to write young adult literature with swear words in it. Now, I understand she is creating a world in which the characters just don't swear. Fine. But when there is such clunky substitutions like Holy Crow and Dang Son... <laughs> 
Just put a fuck in there, please. I'm trying to imagine what he actually means to say, but like, I don't Jesus Christ or... Just like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. Although apparently I was told yesterday, fuck is more English than American. What? Yeah. But Americans say it all the time. No, but we say it more. Oh. Yeah, I mean, one of the best opening lines is in Four Weddings and a Funeral, written by Richard Curtis, where Hugh Grant is late to the first wedding and is like, fuck, 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 fuck. I see. I would counter that with one of the greatest lines in American cinema, which is, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> but that was motherfucking. I just wouldn't put fuck up there with the great British swear words, you know, like bollocks, wanker. Twat. He says, dang, son. Who knew you had, had that, that kind, kind of, of game. game? How did you swing that? Ew, gross. She's not a ball. So he says, is it a secret? She doesn't want her family to know about you. Assumes that it's Edith's problem with Bo. I mean, fair. <laughs> look at Edith, look at Bo. True. Like, that's a fair assumption. But I'm like, it's not really a good secret if they're arriving to school together, if they're being really close. I'm like, they're not being secretive. <laughs> like, honestly, Jeremy, if you've noticed, it's not a secret. <laughs> he knows Bo is obsessed with her. And then the line is, do you have a genie in a lamp? Did you find some blackmail on her or did you trade your soul to the devil or something? I really thought this gives us a real insight into what Jeremy thinks about women. Yeah, what he thinks about women, also what he thinks about his friend. Yeah. This is harsh. He's not nice. <laughs> yeah. And then we have exactly how much did you get in the bargain? Bet it was a pretty wild night, eh? Sex is a bargain. It's a commodity that women provide for men to obtain. I can't say anymore because my mouth is full of vomit. I'm not into violence, but I really wish I would punch Jeremy. It would be an understandable reaction. Yeah, yes. I would have punched him. I certainly wouldn't remain friends with him after saying this kind of thing. Not without a serious apology, but also it'd be like, right, not only have you been really rude to me, but let's have a serious talk about the way you view women because I have manipulated a girl into going out with you and now I'm concerned for her <laughs> well-being going forward because yeah. you seem disgusting. Well said. I could weep with how much I miss Jessica Stanley. I miss her so much. That is just the, the thought that was running through this chapter. It's like grief. Are you crying? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I just want her back. <laughs> she was such a good character. I know. She had the sass. She had the one-liners. She didn't really care about Bella, just like we didn't really care about Bella. Yeah. And she would never, ever, ever have spoken about Edward like this. No. No. But it was a pretty wild night. Because she knew Edward wouldn't have been a wild night. <laughs> So true. Okay, fine. Jeremy thinks they spent the night together, Bo and Edith, as Edith drove him to school. I genuinely don't think I would have assumed this. And then he says, this is Jeremy, please tell me you at least made out with her anything. This is none of your business. And then why do they get mad at each other? So I get, I don't get me wrong, I get why Bo gets mad at Jeremy, but Jeremy then gets mad at him. Because Bo insults him because he's like, oh, I think she's a bit too normal. And he says, maybe you should... You should keep your expectations low. Yeah. But that is mild compared to everything that Jeremy has just said. Yeah. But I guess Jeremy can't take it, can't handle the heat. Obviously, it's just some pity thing. What even is that? Like, what? So, Jeremy is hypothesizing that Edith is turned on by pathetic men, and what she wants is to sleep with the most pathetic out of the school. <laughs> 
And then he says, going back to your point, maybe I should try and look more pathetic if that's what Edith is into. Now, you interpreted that like he is not over Edith. Maybe it's not even that he's not over Edith. Maybe it's not that he's really, like, wants Edith necessarily. But it did just make me feel bad for Michaela. Yeah. Dude, like, you have a chance to be with a girl who is better than you deserve and you're making jokes about, like, maybe I should be pathetic so that Edith will like me. So I think what happened in Jeremy's head is he saw Edith... He fancies her, obviously. Thought, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to get with that. But then no boy at the school is ever going to be with her. Then Bo has come along, new, and immediately is with Edith. That is his problem. Yeah, and I get how that would maybe ruffle your feathers a little bit. But But again, Edith is not your possession. And, you know, I just want to strip Jeremy of the Stanley name. He doesn't deserve that surname because the woman that came before you. I just don't believe that in a universe where the characters from Twilight are flipped, I don't believe that this is what Jessica turns into. No, no. Jeremy could have been funny. Like, yes, shallow. Yes, not particularly thoughtful. Maybe a little bit selfish and self-centred. All can be true without actually being a piece of shit it just got me this whole section got me really angry and now Bo necessarily doesn't do anything wrong but he does piss you off nonetheless (laughs) he does yeah just because he is interacting with it you know me as Chloe or what would be my alternative uh, Clarence (laughs) so if you were Clarence what you're saying in this universe if I were Clarence I would say that's very disrespectful it's none of your business if I wanted to share that I would but I don't That's the ideal, isn't it? But in the reality of high school, the realistic version would be to go, I'm not having this conversation, and then distance yourself from that person as much as possible. Now, that's not ideal. What we need is brave, vocal activists who are going to make change. But for Bo in 2005, I would have forgiven just... And that was the last time I sat next to Jeremy. (laughs) You know what I mean? That would have been amazing. Yeah. Just that. Just that. Cool. So Edith meets him in the hallway. So updos are really fucking hard to maintain throughout 24 hours. No, not even 24 hours. 12 hours. Okay? So for Bo to say he has an urge to pull Edith's hair pins out got me so irate. Okay? She has put it up for a reason and you just want to take it down. Men do this all the time. Okay? The hair is up for a reason it might need a wash or it might be like it looked really good that day up hair cannot always be down i feel like that hit quite a personal nerve there it did i sound more angry at this than jeremy and i can tell you i don't know (laughs) (laughs) we'll get some fun jokes about Bo being an only child Maybe a bit insensitive. Now, I have to say, I do know at least one only child who I haven't been able to tell that they were an only child. But most of the time I can tell. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you're listening to this and you're an only child, people might be able to tell. Although people do assume I'm an only child. But I understand. That's easy to confuse. Leo and only child, they can get muddled up a bit. <laughs> what utter <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed it. It made me chuckle when he's like, I'm an only child, so I'm everyone's favourite. And she just goes, it shows. So Edith pays for the lunch. She does, even though she's not going to eat any, apart from the tip. 
off a piece of pizza. Oh, you said that so sexily. Oh, thank you. I take it by piece of pizza. She means slice, slice. of pizza. Yeah. And is the tip that Edith tears off, is that the tip, like the bit that came from the middle of the round pizza? Yeah. But that's going to be covered in cheese and sauce. No, because you know, because it's a triangle and she probably like the tiniest bite, like the tiniest No, 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 but she doesn't take a bite of it. She daintily tore the tip off a piece of pizza, popped it in her mouth and started chewing with a martyred expression. That's really fun to read. But she daintily tore the tip off a piece of pizza. So she's going to get like saucy fingers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be oil there. But maybe because of the venom and the beauty, it just seeps into her skin and it's no longer there. Odd behaviour. I'm just saying that's the kind of thing that gives you away as not necessarily human. (laughs) That's the kind of behaviour. If I see you doing that, I will go... "Mm." Mm, Vampire. Unless the pizza is cold... So it's more solid. Even then, we don't know what toppings are on this. If there's pepperoni there, then you're going to get a much bigger chunk than you bargained for. And it's not going to be graceful. It's a recipe for disaster, Chloe. So tell me, Isaac, what is your worst bit? Oh, we want my worst bit first. So I'm assuming that yours is going to just be Jeremy. Yeah. It was nearly Jeremy and it's about Jeremy. Oh, okay, cool. While Jeremy's being a douche nozzle, Ms. Varner in English class sees him being a douche nozzle and shoots him a question. And he panics. And Beau describes that he started flipping spastically through his book, trying to figure out what she'd asked him. Oh, dear. The adverb used there does have some difference between the UK and the States in how commonly used it is. But I don't care. I'm not going to make any exceptions or excuses in this instance. The description there, the the image that Maya is trying to get there is um, in a kind of spasm of movement, moving in spasms, moving in a kind of uncontrolled manner. That word used to describe that comes from offensive, usually older descriptions of people with cerebral palsy, people with varying disabilities. It is an offensive term, particularly in Britain, I'm not sure of its use colloquially these days in the US. I know that I've heard it in TV shows from the 90s in the States, and I know that it wasn't a particular thing. It is a phrase that has been used plenty all over. But just my main thought, when I read that, I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) This was 2015. Not only that, but she knew when writing this that this book would be published around the world. We had a bit of an improvement a few chapters ago where when Bella had described speaking like someone who was mentally handicapped, I think was the phrase used, and that was changed and I felt much better about that and I thought, oh, smart, you know, because we're 10 years down the line since Twilight and now you've got a global audience. You would think that an editor or someone would have picked up on the use of this term and gone, just change it to something else, anything else. (laughs) There are other ways to describe this. And that's my least favourite part, uh, but so close to just being all of Jeremy's behaviour. Yeah. Did you have any particular bit that you wanted to mention? No. 
just Jeremy. But my best bit is just the Cullen siblings, like really enjoyed their presence and really enjoyed the very small interactions we had and the evils that Royal and Eleanor give Beau because too right. Yeah, I love that. I hadn't really thought of that, but I love planting those seeds early for that relationship. Yeah. That is really, really cool. My best bit is a fairly small moment right after the class with Jeremy when Edith shows up to meet him at the end of class. <laughs> And he offers to take her backpack for her because apparently this is set in 1952. I've been getting all the dates wrong. (laughs) She's like, does it look too heavy for me? And he goes, well, I mean, and she just goes, sure. She slid the bag down her arm and then held it out to me very deliberately using just the tip of her pinky finger. She hands him this backpack, which then is like... Very heavy. Yeah, like it's filled with bricks. I love it. I love it. I love that she had this really heavy bag and because he offered, she was like, yeah, take it. (laughs) You're going to be stupid enough to offer to take my bag. You can take my bag. That's a good point. We didn't mention that when she arrives at the door, people gasp. (laughs) Yes. Jeremy has opened the door to leave the room and gone, what the hell? (laughs) These kids, honestly. I know. It's because her hair's up. burning question time i am ready to be burnt by your question how do you really think Bo should handle taylor (laughs) because i know we're all like we'll just tell her but i want to know the scenario where how will he broach it and because she's quite confident and it seems like she might not necessarily understand straight away What are you saying about Taylor? No, just the fact that she's very confident and is like, oh, don't be silly. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like, don't feel bad. I'm happy to go with you. I know. Like, Taylor thinks that the whole school is desperate to go out with her. I love it. I think Taylor's attractive. Oh, she is. She is. But she knows it. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, me too. And you know what? Now, I actually, sorry, I've just had an epiphany. Of course the women of Forks, especially in the high school, fancy Beau when the men they have are Jeremy and Logan. Oh my God, so true. But then I need to know what's wrong with Alan. He's gay. Oh, sorry, he's gay. He's gay. he's gay. Of course, (laughs) of course. And everyone knows it but him, probably. Which is how it goes, usually. And that's why Alan is now, like, just never around because he's busy, like, pining after Beau. But he doesn't know what those feelings mean. Oh. Oh, I know. Sorry, where are we? What he needs to do is speak to Taylor and just say, Taylor, I know that you were hoping to take me to the prom. The idea of organised dances like this actually makes me really uncomfortable and anxious. I will not be going. I hope that's okay. Um, But I'm just not interested in going. And that's it. I don't think it needs to be as harsh as like, I don't like you like that. Because that's not really what Taylor's asking. (laughs) Taylor wants to go to the dance. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of it. I mean, I don't know because I'm unclear on how much Taylor actually fancies Beau and I'm not entirely sure that she does. Wouldn't put it past her. But Taylor's primary motivation for asking Beau out seems to be that she nearly killed him. Yes. So she's like, look, I nearly killed him. I'm really hot. Just gonna do you a favour. Yeah. I'll go to prom with you. We can have some pictures. You'll always be able to look back and people will say like, wow, what a hot prom date you had. Yeah. That's what I can do to make up for nearly killing you that one time. And really, it's noble work. (laughs) I'm fully on board with Taylor. If she then pushes it further, he can say, no, there's someone else I'm actually interested in. I don't know if it's going to work out, but that's where my feelings are. There is 
nothing more you can do than that. You just need to be honest. And uh, yeah, Taylor has been presumptuous. Little minx. She's not without blame in this situation. No, of course not. But she knows that. Yeah, her motivations are good. Yeah. And she's stirring the pot with the other girls. She knows yeah, she is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm here for it. I love Taylor. Thank you for joining us for chapter 10 of Life and Death. Join us next time for chapter 11, Complications. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care. And remember, don't touch my updo.